sometimes it takes you years for bringing people really in this mood and open themselves for their individual way forward. Uh, but on the other side, if you once establish a culture of trust and a culture where you can have this discussion around those topics, um, then it makes you extremely strong. Hey there, and welcome to our third edition of our Dismantling Leadership series, which we are co-hosting with HHL Graduate School of Management. Together with Wilfried Gilrath, the former CEO of Lichtblick, we want to focus on the topic of safety versus competition within an organization, as the two very different strategies to drive productivity. We explore the fields of values and trust and people development as a meaningful way to steer people into a common direction while tapping into the talent and potential of individuals and teams. It becomes clear that trust is a powerful force, very hard to build and dangerously easy to break. During the talk, we reveal insightful experiences and learnings of building and breaking a cooperative environment. The biggest learning so far, it's not going to be easy, often very painful, you will fail a lot, and there is no copy-paste Somehow you have to find your own approach. But once you find it, it's definitely worth it. We hope you enjoy the talk and thanks for listening in. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's start. Um, we have still people in the waiting room and are letting people in as we are speaking. Um, I welcome you uh, to this evening's edition of Dismantling Leadership a um, event series that we organize in cooperation between Leadership Sprouts with uh, Anna Gottschalk and Rolf Schrömgens uh, today with us uh, from HHL. The idea is to discuss leadership from different perspectives um, with esteemed, well, leaders, people um, who have been running or building organizations um, for many years, I'm very happy to welcome Wilfried Gilrath with us uh, today, who's going to discuss uh, his view and his perspectives in a, well, challenge of ideas or um, reflection of ideas between what the different uh, participants today have experienced and are doing. We invite um, students from HHL. Uh, I see in the participant list a number of alumni um, we have uh, professors from HHL with us. We have people with us, uh, which I don't know yet, uh, but maybe get to know later when you ask for participation in the discussion. How it will work is Anna Gottschalk and myself, we will co-moderate uh, today uh, with our uh, two panelists, uh, Wilfried and Rolf. And after, um, how long is it? Like 45 to, uh, minutes to an hour, um, we will start uh, involving you with your questions. Um, if you have questions in between, please feel free to write them in the chat so we don't forget about them. Um, and later on, we uh, invite you on stage to share your perspectives, to ask questions, to challenge what you've heard. Uh, that's it. Um, thank you very much, uh, Carmen, for organizing and setting up this here. And I uh, lead over to Anna. Thanks, Stefan. And thank you very much, Rolf and Wilfried, for spending Rolf for spending another evening with us and uh, Wilfried for jumping in. 
for the session. Um, as you saw in the invitation, we had firstly planned a uh, um, David Schneider from CEO, he couldn't make it short notice. And um, I'm super happy, actually, that we have Wilfried um, with us uh, tonight, because I feel he can share um, amazing experiences, uh, especially also fitting to the topic of um, safety versus competition um, in an organization. And um, how do you define the thin line between them? And Before we start um, into the discussion, I also can um, give a short introduction to myself for everyone who is new here. Then Rolf also gives two sentences uh, as an introduction. And then we have a, a huge time spot for you, Wilfried, uh, to share your whole story. Um, so quickly about myself, I'm Anna. I'm, uh, I have a background in psychology and neuroscience. I'm super passionate about people and how they work and why they do what they do. Um, this is also why I um, enjoyed so much uh, taking responsibility for organizational development at Trivago and could learn there a lot about how my psychological background could fit into the workplace uh, setting and uh, found my passion there. And today I'm happy to uh, to be part of the Leadership Sprouts um, crew and organization and um, organize events like this. Yeah, that's about myself. Maybe Rolf, you can give two sentences about yourself. Two sentences. Um, uh, entrepreneur founded Trivago, learned a lot, tried out a lot of crazy things in terms of leadership, learned a lot. Now trying to share that. Cool. They were really, it was just one sentence, maybe. Um, um, Wilfried, but we want to know much more about you than only a couple of words. Um, and maybe you can give an introduction to yourself, your whole story um, and uh, until, until now and what you're doing right now. Yeah, happy to do so. Uh, so thank you for, for having me. Um, I'm 50 years older. I will become 50 in, in May this year. Uh, I'm married. I have four children in the age between 13 and 21. Um, I studied once upon a time business administration and worked then uh, for about 10 years as an employee in a company uh, called Eismann, which is a home delivery um, service for frozen food. And in that period, uh, I did uh, various jobs, um, uh, among others. Uh, I used to be the CFO of a subgroup with 2,800 uh, employees and was the area manager for Spain and Portugal at that time. And then in the age of 29, I left the company and continued then uh, with a completely new type of business. I went into the energy business. And uh, that's what I did now for, uh, yeah, exactly 20 years now. And in that field, the most well-known company is Lichtblick, uh, nowadays fifth largest uh, energy supply company in, in Germany. And we started that from, from scratch uh, 20 years ago, uh, just after the liberalization. But in parallel, I was also shareholder and managing director in quite a number of other companies. So I used to be um, in the biogas business, biomass business, so energy production based on biomass and various uh, technologies. Uh, then we used to build a 1,200 megawatt gas-fired power station. Uh, we had a pipeline business. 
And uh, I was involved for a partner of mine to structure a forest project in Malaysia. And uh, in all that uh, respects, I did a lot of um, M&A transactions. So I have uh, quite a focus on, on that area. And in my last um, yeah. five years with Lichtblick, there were also quite a number of uh, transactions uh, which we did there. But uh, <clears throat> more important for what we are discussing today is that we worked a lot with the people in the company about leadership, about attitude, about contribution and talent. And I'm, I'm deeply convinced that this is really important to focus on people and try to build systems for people and not the other way around and uh, support the development of the individual and the, the attitude so to unfold the full potential of those people. And that's uh, what is um, moving me till now. I left Lichtblick mid of last year. And uh, since then, I'm involved in a number of businesses around impact. So I'm an impact investor. I'm involved in a, together with Rolf, um, I'm involved in a, in a project called Planet A, which is a venture capital fund with a focus on impact businesses. I'm, in, in, I'm an investor in Impact Hub Hamburg, uh, which is an um, yeah, office space on the one side, but on the other side, a community builder for people in, in impact businesses. Um, and uh, I'm just about to close a transaction where I will be shareholder of a crowdfunding platform so that I can offer for impact business a full range between equity, debt, and uh, also community building and spaces. Uh, and uh, yeah, in addition to that, I have a few investments in um, related companies. And one hobby or funny thing, I'm invested so together with some friends in a Scottish second league football club. So that's maybe as a, a slightly longer introduction to myself. Thank you very much. Um, we have in our title, Safety versus Competition. And uh, maybe that's not super clear to people what we mean uh, with safety. Maybe you, when we talk in the organizational context, Rolf and Wilfried, maybe you can share your understanding um, of safety in an organization. What does it actually mean? Okay. So, so, so I think I, th I think what one concept that was to me always very striking, and I think I I found out during my my business life has a lot of truth. Is actually uh, Maslow's uh, pyramid of needs. I'm not sure if you are familiar with that. If you are not, um, make yourself familiar because it's I think it's a very important concept. And basically, what it says is um, you basically have a pyramid of needs and. If the, the basic needs are not fulfilled, you don't get to the higher level of needs. There's a different, different kinds of needs in there. And uh, safety is, is one of the most important and one of the most basic needs that you start with. Yeah? So, and, and basically it says if you, if, you, if you don't have safety, enough safety, uh, you, you will not yourself put yourself into a situation where you expose yourself uh, to risk or to risky things, to learn new stuff, to self-actualize, and so on and so on. And I, I think the, the most important thing for me always for an organization was learning. Uh, so, so I think that in, in times where we have so much disruption and uh, such an accelerating speed of change, we really need to learn a lot. We, ha we have to move fast. We have to take fast decisions and so on. And my experience was that... Uh, 
often when people went into a mode where they didn't take fast decisions, where they became political, where they did not act in the interest of the of the company, it was a situation where they didn't feel safe. So where I was not able to provide them a safe environment because they did not have that safety, they were they were completely directly going into survival mode. And in survival mode, you first of all care for yourself and not for the others so much. So that that also that also led to situations where information was not shared anymore. Uh, people were not collab collaborating enough. So so that's why what how I learned, and I really learned it the hard way because um, I think it's something that I also was bad in uh, to in a specific time. So I really learned it the hard way that when you take take away safety, a lot of the constructs that you build upon basically collapse. Um, and that's why it's an important concept, you know. And I am, and I think it has its limitations. So for me, it clearly has its limitations, and it's important to speak about those limitations. But um, but I think as a basic concept, it's, it's very important. Was always very important for us. Yeah, I totally I totally agree uh, with what Rolf just said. I think that everybody, every human being is is looking looking for for, for safety, and on the other side, doesn't like uncertainty, and. Um, the challenge here is then always that this gives you in combination um, a level of comfort which hinders you in moving forward because it's of course nice to have a soft pillow to 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 lay on and um, feel certain um, but on the other side uh, if you want to explore new things and if you want to invent new things you have to move towards uncertainty. And this is an also a little bit um, uh, the question, can you combine in an organization the, the, the offering of safety in a way like parents would do, that you whatever you do, you can rely on that your parents will be there and take care of you. But on the other side, of course, also your parents would always ask for contribution to whatever it might be. And uh, their, their, their core focus needs to be to send you out in the world and make you ready for the uncertainty in the world. But on the other side, you need the safety of um, your home place, of your mother, of your father, so that you can rely on uh, that there will be somebody anchoring and helping you. Uh, but on the other side, you have to be prepared to move forward. And that is, uh, that is for me, uh, the, 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 the core for leadership. I mean, it sounds it sounds like a. I think it's interesting because it some, sometimes sounds like a paradox, right? So you expect to people to go into risk, but you want to provide safety, yeah. And but I think it's not a paradox because I think you have to they have to feel a specific level of safety then to go to to do risky things and to really put themselves out there. And so I I I, I think it's one one is very important for the other. So provide a basic safety. To ex if you if you expect them to change a lot, to adapt a lot, to uh, to risk stuff, to try out new things, um, and uh, and yeah, I would I would have a question here because there are some I would be especially interested on why you choose for for this operating system that is um, that that relies on on trust and safety, whereas we see companies who are extremely successful law companies, consultancy companies, banking companies who are successful and who have clearly clearly decided to go more into the competition mode. 
so, so what what make you, what made you realize or uh, decide um, to go for a safety based system let's say well i think safety and trust are slightly two different things uh, for me trust is very important trust is for me as a person a core value and i honor uh, trust a lot and uh, i just want to work in 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 organization or in whatever type of group of human beings where trust is core it's a question how you look at the world in in, in general if you if you see the world uh, as um, as a place where you have quite a number of people with their talents and some of them know their talents already and others have to realize what their real talents are, uh, then you would say, I always act based on trust to let people figure out what their, really, uh, what, what their potential really is and what they can contribute going forward. If and to the extent you have this competition situation and usually this is accompanied by uh, control and then you start to control people all the time and uh, they lose also their freedom of operation because they have to focus only on the performance side. And if you lose then the, the angle on, on trust, that will, in the longer perspective, uh, bring you in trouble. On the other side, on, a, on the short end, uh, trust uh, goes sometimes also along with a little yeah, searching for the right way, figuring out, testing, and stuff like that. So it's a, it, 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 the first instance that might look like being inefficient, but in, in the long run, it's more effective. While the other, the other approach of this very highly competitive thing can only work with a benchmark, and then it's highly efficient, but the, the effectivity, this is a question mark for me. That would be my view on this. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that competition is 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 some something that is still better than no competition <laughs> so so i think where do our business come from so i think of many of our businesses come from a place where there is no intrinsic motivation at all you know uh, so where there is no real real engagement with the objectives and then competition is kind of a good placeholder because it's it's still better to 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 have a competition as a as an idea as a as a motivator i think than having no motivation at all, right? So, 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 so I think when you're coming from like saying, okay, you know, we are we are in a we are in a debt system. It's there's no there's no intrinsic motivation, uh, like you know, and and, and if you if you start to implement competition in such a system, I would say it's in, initially it's more effective. So initially it's more effective. Definitely in the short term it's more effective than having having it not, uh, having it not at all. So that's why I think there is, of course, I think there, there were systems, I think when you look at, I think, Rocket Internet or whatsoever, who were highly effective with introducing competition into a system, you know, and, 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 and I think, I think, I think it's, 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 to an extent, it's also productive. I think it starts becoming super difficult when you're looking at it in the long term, because if you create a system of competition, I think what you do is you you go away from real productivity. So you go away from motivating people through, through, through a vision, through a cause or whatsoever. They, you, you, you detach it and you create basically motivation through competition. So you create uh, motivation through competing with each other, right? And I think that is, that's dangerous because at the end, you introduce 
a race between each other for something that is not the real uh, the real productivity, but basically the 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 the, the kind of the the, the 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 fake productivity, right? So something that you 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 want your boss from uh, about you to know. So that that's become becomes your basically your competition. So so making yourself in the, showing yourself in a way that you are extremely extremely capable. And and I think and, and that's but you introduce it right through I think focusing on competition. You introduce this kind of competition. So you do this abstraction from the real value that is created. And and you you put it on this on this higher level, and um, and in this moment, basically, and that becomes very very dangerous. So I think smart people who are politically motivated, in my experience, I'm not sure what Wilfred would say, but very smart people, highly motivated, can make destroy way more, I think, than any any other person. Yeah, even the even like stupid unmotivated people. Yeah. I fully, I fully agree. I, I think uh, also with with the question of competition, um, you are immediately confronted with the question, how do you measure it? And then you have tons of KPIs measuring something, but it's um, usually lacking the, the components on the, um, uh, for instance, something like trust. And uh, I agree. In the in in the long run, uh, this has its challenge and. Uh, I don't know whether anybody is familiar with the Taylor Tap model. So uh, where you say in the in the past you had people with in, in in small villages somewhere distributed, and you had then for for every job probably only one or two people in this location. And uh, over the time and by industrialization, you build it up. Uh, large organizations and and then after a while nobody really knew how to manage those and so one took the the structure from the military and built up this pyramid structure is what we what we used to to know as a logical structure for cooperation and it was good because in the past you had a, a question of how to cope with low complexity and you were driven by executing jobs good in terms of being planned and being structured in a way. And, and that type of organization is also good for competition and being measured based on output. But on the other side, nowadays, the complexity is that high that that, that type of organization, this pyramidal organization doesn't work any longer. And therefore, you need to have a completely different setup in leadership and leadership structure also uh, and uh, that brings you to enabling people having an, the right attitude to enable them to cope with complexity. And, and, and this is a completely different approach. And therefore, this whole systematic of how do you manage a big organization is going to change in a far more decentral way. And then you have to rely on that there's a strong alignment within the attitude of all those people to a common goal. And that the the way they act will be very decentral, and therefore, again, you have to trust them. Controlling will not work in such an environment, and will lead also to the wrong uh, conclusion. Uh, while in a in a big corporation structured like a, like an army, uh, this is going to work. And therefore, I think if you want to have a future organization, you would uh, you will need a completely different uh, approach to that. And um, yeah, again trust, safety, and a strong focus on people, attitude, and talent. 
uh, will help you. Uh, thank you. I think that is super interesting. Um, and it sounds always so nice and easy. You just need to just need to trust the people and then then you can do everything. But maybe you can also share some experiences for Lichtblick, but also from Trivago on how when we talk about safety or psychological safety, how did you actually establish something like this in your organization? And later on, we can also talk about things that did not contribute to actually this concept of psychological safety, although not intended to destroy it. Sometimes you also destroy it um, um, with easy things. But I think it's super, um, super interesting to also learn on how people can actually take tools and try out things in their organization or build something that, that promotes uh, psychological safety in their organization. Well, again, first thing is uh, that people trust each other and that there's a certain reliability in the way people act and the way people um, address each other and so on and so forth. So that, that there is a certain uh, feeling of safety within such an organization. And then, of course, you have to go and test things and find out. And failure is also part of that, that way forward. And then you have to provide this safety that failure is not a problem, but a chance. Uh, on the other side, um, there's also limitation in all that, because if you combine that with diversity, then you come always in, in or you might come into a setup where you have somebody being diverse, uh, but it might also be that the rest of the team of the group tries to get rid of the person. And then it becomes a little bit tricky Uh, because diversity uh, unfolds as very positive effect also because there are people, you know, being on the spot, annoying and, you know, shouting out loud for the, for the sake of it and being not on the same side. The question is then, is it somebody doing that for playing games and being, you know, uh, putting emphasis on himself, on his ego and whatever, or is it really this positive input of, the devil's advocate in that play. And therefore, this is really a, a thin line between um, uh, those two and, and going forward in this organization. And therefore, in particular, if you have such a critical setup in the team where you have this one guy or person uh, always hammering on one thing and the others disagree, and so then it's, uh, uh, of course, important to provide on the one side the safety, but on the other side, there might also be a chance that this person is not doing that for the right purpose and it might be toxic then for the organization. And then, of course, you have to act in a completely different way and come up with your opposite of safety and get rid of the person or moving somewhere moving somewhere else. So this is really a challenge in, in leadership because it's not easy to distinguish. How do you find out? I think this is... The, Long-term, this is a question of culture in a company. Uh, you, you have to do work with attitude and people have to understand not only their thinking, but also the, the, the reason for why, why do they think as they think. So they, they, they have to see it from a, from a higher level and you have to work with people. It's, it's, it's very difficult and it's, it's really a, a challenge. And um, sometimes it takes you years for bringing people really to this in this mood and open themselves for their individual way forward. 
but on the other side, if you once establish a culture of trust and a culture where you can have this kind of discussion around uh, those topics, um, then it makes you extremely strong. And uh, this, to be honest, starts then in a way from the from the from the founders, because you know if it's such a startup, then you implement the culture. But you have to be an example, and you have to be open for criticism. You have to be um, also careful, and also not, you know. Sometimes uh, I had a, you know, people said I'm, I'm acting like Buddha because because I listened very long before then taking a decision. Because if you hear a story just from one angle, you might be clear in your decision for the first instance. But if you don't know the whole story. It might be a damn wrong decision. And therefore, I always said, it's like a goalkeeper. You have to stand very long before to decide where to jump. So I think it, it goes along with the attitude of the management and, and, and people founding a company, bringing in the culture and going as an example and, and a testimonial for so that, that you, you do not discuss things and praise things, but also act like this. I think this is the only thing you can only do it. Rolf, what do yeah. you? Um, I, I had to smile um, because of the decision taking. Um, um, because I mean, we are also often discussing on how fast or not fast should you take a decision. So I'm, I'm pretty pretty excited also to hear your opinion on how a we establish psychological safety maybe at Trivago, and from from where it grew and. How, what we did to actually have it there because trust is not ultimately just there. And yeah, how did we, how did we identify maybe um, sometimes if people fit or do not fit or mm -hmm. did we do a good job there? So, so first of all, I think I, I just would, would like to second, second what Rivka just said. Um, I think it's super important. It becomes even more important. If you want to take this hard decision and really to really filter out people, I think it's super, super important that people are very much aligned on your values and also, ed, you know, like, and educated around your values again and again and how you, how you differentiate that and, and go deep into them and just understand them really deeply, understand also like uh, the trade-offs between the different values. And, and I think, I think the more you educate people around that, that helps a lot. Um, even more important is probably um to to let people like work on evolving people personally because i think that um that this is basically your major weapon in a way to become better to get better information right so the, the problem is the problem of information is that that we always see information through our lens which is basically the lens that we built up through our whole life with all our shadows that we developed in our childhood and whatsoever And uh, this uh, information is not information. Information is just what we think about the world, you know, and it's just one perspective. And it's it's rarely, there's rarely something like ob objectivity, you know. I mean, you can always turn, you see a chart, you can turn it in three different directions. So it's it's really, really hard. I mean, we worked a lot on objective information and using a lot of the objective information argumentation. But at the end, you always have your lens and working on that lens is very important. And if you want to take with decisions which people to keep and which which people add to the diversity of a team and which people are, might be toxic, 
I think it's super important to evolve these lenses and to see more clear. I think a very good tool I think that we used is that uh, we did a lot on through peer feedback. I think we talked about that last time. So peer feedback is really was a very important factor because uh, I think in the moment where you have multiple lenses, uh, you see a, a more clearer picture. Yeah, so I think that that helps you a lot. But but it's it's still it's still I, I agree to to what Wilfried said. It's a it's a very difficult decision to to say where how far do we integrate people? So when is it still diversity? Mm-hmm. And when is it uh, like a co- toxic behavior? And uh, and the people who do the toxic behavior will always argue with the, the diversity. So they will always tell you, you know, um, hey, we, I thought we were all about diversity. We want to, you know, and, and on the other side, it's also super, super dangerous to, to basically label all diverse behavior toxic, you know? So, so you know, I, I, I get that, but that is why we have to really, we need evolved leaders. And that's why we have to invest so much into evolving leaders and, and, and evolving their, like, and, and, and working on their personal biases. Yeah. And it's so important to, to come, uh, to, have, to have like a joint, at least, even if it's not a joint decision, have a joint information gathering. I think that's important. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think we, 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 we tried a lot to build safe, safety in a way or trust uh, over, over a very long time period. And the, and the problematic thing is trust is something that is so hard to build up. You need so much time and it can be destroyed so quickly. And, and I think that is also, in it. I think that's definitely one of the, 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 the problems of systems that are built on trust that that they there is a specific fragility of them yeah so so and and i think it would be naive to, not to not to not to not to keep that in mind so there is definitely a fragility and you have to we have to be careful and you have to work on that quite a lot and and how and how do you build it up i can give you an example of how we build it up i mean i think it's it's very important i think trust is something that you cannot you cannot tell people you cannot force people into trust so you you really have to build an environment that 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 allows people to build trust with each other. You have to, which which I think is important that you that people spend a lot of time together, uh, that people have also lots of discussions which are not always business related or where you give them time to explore each other, you know, and and understand each other's where where they're coming from, introduce people in a good way to each other. I think that's important. Share our stories. A lot, yeah, that's important. Yeah, and at the end, you know, I I know that always people say, oh, Shrivago, they did this amazing parties and, and, and like they took everybody on a trip or whatsoever. But you know, at the end, this is just a small thing. I think still think that our trips, for example, were probably the most value creating uh, things that we did uh, with our with our employee base. But uh, but it, that's only the the, the 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 peak of it, right? There's a lot of lot of things that you have to do in your 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 um, company and uh, and it can be very easily destroyed i'm not sure if i told the story here already but um but really we we once we once were in a situation where um where i think the first time where it got a little bit tough and we were not growing like 70 percent but only 20 percent year on year and then we thought oh we have too many people we have to get rid of people how do we do that okay we do we do a ranking and we rank people and uh, and basically, and then everybody who was in the bottom five percent. So we had a very quite good system, basically, to to look at current performance. Yeah. So I which yeah, but but 
the system was good, but then we started using it instead of using it for giving people a real, really good feedback. We used it to put people into, into categories, right? And we said, okay, the bottom 5% after three months, they will all get basically, they will all tell them you have to improve other ways. We have to, we have to let you go. And uh, I think the bottom 10%, uh, we told them, hey, you know, you know, like we have in half a year, we will review your performance again. And otherwise we have to let you go. Amazing idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think this was the most, one of the most stupid things I ever did, you know, really. Because it created in one moment to the other, it created such a huge kind of like tumult, like really like people were, and, and the thing was, not only the people who were affected, so not only the, the, the people who were really in the 5 or 10% bucket, right? But through the whole organization, even, even the people who were top performers, you know, and this, and even, you know, and on this scale, whatever that scale meant, but even the people who were top performers, they were super afraid from one moment to another. So, so everybody, everybody started to be afraid. And because of that, you could literally see how productivity went down. People were only discussing this topic. They were not doing their work anymore. They were only thinking about, okay, how do I get now up in this ladder of productivity? How do I, how do I avoid you know, uh, to be in the bottom 5%? And even the top performers were afraid of that. Yeah. And, um, and that was very interesting. It was an ext ex extremely interesting experiment to see. Uh, I mean, it was a, a, a huge fuck up, but, um, but it was really interesting to see what happened. If I may add um, one one comment, and then I would have a question um, to you both. Um, or if, if you remember at Chao, we did have a time uh, where we had a toxic person and we waited very, very long. And I just wanted to highlight the link between uh, Wilfried, your Buddha approach, wait and, and listen. But what we experienced at that time was we did have a toxic person and we tried to deal with her and we waited and waited and that diminished trust with the rest of the organization because people started saying, okay, if you allow that person to stay here, you know, we, how can we believe you? Because she is basically free riding on all our performance and on all our good mood and dri driving us down. But we were very hesitant and waited very, very long before we took action. And that, again, had a detrimental uh, impact on, on uh, trust, as far as I remember. Uh, but one question I wanted to, to ask you to, um, you mainly now discussed Say a safety environment based on the behavior and diversity. But how did you did you work with the with the uh, aspect of performance? Or well, if you just highlighted that you tried it once, but eventually, most likely in organizations there are people that don't perform to a certain limit. How did you deal with with uh, trust and safety in this context? At the same time, allowing people to make mistakes and to try out things and do failures, get up again and, and continue. But then when do you decide, okay, it just doesn't make sense that, you know, we are in the same organization because you just don't contribute to what we're doing. Maybe, maybe uh, one comment from my side and Stefan, you're absolutely right with regard to these toxic uh, individuals in, in organization. And of course, now we come to real life. There's no perfect timing in the world. You are always too early or too late. 
and uh, in 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 a very very rare number of cases you are exactly on spot and in fact that was for instance my my biggest challenge uh, due to the fact that i have this idea of that people have the ability to change that they can adapt that they can change their attitude i tended to wait also too long and and there were many many sort of hindsight mistakes waiting too long of of course but but on the other side if you look at really developing new things then being too harsh too early kills too much of the potential uh, th this is a very difficult balance i i don't have a clear answer to that and i don't know how to to manage it really properly uh, but uh, this is uh, and, and you're absolutely on spot this is com completely right being too late with toxic persons destroys a lot of trust also in the organization. But on the other side, being too early uh, also teaches the organization in a sort of hidden rule that whenever they want to get rid of somebody, they try to, 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 to move him in the toxic corner and uh, then the boss is going to act on this. So dif difficult, uh, difficult uh, issue. And on the other side, this uh, performance and safety, I think the the let's say the 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 glass ceiling we had at Lichtblick was always that we tended to be very consensus oriented. So we did not come really to the point where I would love to uh, to to come with the whole organization and the culture. So that really on a let's say balanced level you address people by a fair but also straightforward feedback if they do not perform and that you really go then into this conversation and also with the option to get rid of them out of in, in terms of uh, leaving the organization um, and that was something where we were not let's say so advanced in working with the individuals on on their attitude because that and and we 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 tended to move too early to systematic approaches and so on and so forth but in reality you really need to work with the individuals that they learn the right attitude that they understand why they think as they think and make them then also strong in such type of discussions and don't let them feel bad about that a colleague of them let's say ends up in a in a problematic situation let's say uh, but that was the part which we missed out so we were still in this phase of where the consensus was the the this thing and that made us in in some areas also slow and not acting as um, fast as possible and uh, also not as successful as possible but of course on the other side, uh, you come back to the system of performance and controlling, and uh, then it brings you um, to, it brings you to the other side again. So this balancing in between those models is is the challenge, and that uh, I think is something you can only manage with having the right people uh, in the organization, but in particular in leadership uh, positions uh, with the right attitude. I think it's a it's it's a most complex challenge, um, and and I really went back and forth on that in so many different ways, and and also looked at like really looked at it from a very different perspective, and I had different opinions over over the many, over many years. I mean, as as you can tell, right? So I, I, for example, we 
I, I think the first important problem is with performance is first, you as a leader have to be right with your definition of performance. That is already a huge problem because you know performance happens on many, many different levels. And I think the first pro- complex thing is, you know, are you really, is, is what, what creates your definition of performance, is that at the end what really creates value? So that's the, that's the first important thing. Like, is our definition right? That's already hard. And I'm just saying, I don't have a solution, but I'm just saying that is something to look at, right? So what's our definition of performance? And the second extremely difficult thing is the measurement of it. So are we really good in then whatever we say is performance? How good are we really in getting that information about that person? That is a hugely difficult problem. And I think that is something that I found out that it's that we that we don't go deeper into it. We 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 basically say, ah, yeah, no, we measure performance and then we have criteria and KPIs and and you know and 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 this works out, but it doesn't. So it, it just doesn't work out. So that's super, super, super difficult. Right? So how do we really then measure performance? I mean, because the problem here is in the detail. The problem is, I think, really when you start like coming up with a specific KPI, attaching like a goal to a KPI, you know, and then saying, okay, whenever you're better than that, you're good. Whenever you're worse than that, you're bad. And what I my experience is just in 90% of the cases, this is this does not this does not help. I see this maybe in 10% of cases being somehow motivating or, or not even motivating, even if you don't want to motivate with it. Let's, let's cut out all the motivational aspect of it. Just let's, let's speak about measuring. Yeah? It's, it's really, really hard to, t- to, to do the, 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 the metrics there because the problem is that the world is not that easy. I mean, when you have, for example, like a very, very, very clearly defined situation, clearly defined role, Let's say, for example, in sales or whatsoever, and it's really like a very, very stupid sales approach, which is, which is very, very, very limited. There, you might be able to to come up with specific criteria, and 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 it might still work out. Usually, the problems that I had to face in many, many, many situations, there was, they were so complex, and people were so dependent on each other, and on each other's performance, that it was simply not possible anymore. So and and I think I think that's important to to understand and 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 then you know I would say at least I, like five years ago I've said that we had an amazing system to measure productivity as good as it would get so we were really like focusing a lot on measuring you know like this kind of like performance performance on the values or performance on the team and how you aligned with the team so we thought we created the perfect system to measure performance. You know, and then still it has flaws because even if we would measure somebody is in the bottom 5%, right? And we would say, okay, that's really bad because in the bottom 5%, so, so you know, what, for us, it was always difficult between 20 and, and 70 or so, there was not such a big, big difference, right? So you, you, get, you get this normal distribution. There's not a lot of difference. Basically, when you go to the, to the 5%, you get, get to the outliers and you think, okay, you can be pretty safe. So to, to basically the bottom 5%, probably there is a lot of people not really creating value for the company. Still, the problem is it's, I've seen a lot of fluctuation there. So I've seen a lot of people who have been top performers in one year 
and then going in bottom performance in the other year and going up up again and going down again. So it was, it was not always the same people. Yeah? And th that was something that we tried to carve out by really saying, okay, for example, we weren't only then, then really addressing things when we were seeing somebody being there for, you know, like a year, so for two periods or three periods or four periods. Yeah, but 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 we've seen a lot of fluctuation. So and 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 then you ask have to ask yourself when you see when you have a really good system to measure performance and you see performance fluctuating so massively, if it's really the person, or if it's way more than the person, it's a situation in which the person is. And and I don't want to exclude, I have definitely seen people who were who would never be performing because of their attitude or whatsoever, because of setup in the team. Of course, there are people like this. But I've seen rather more people who were rather, where, where it was a problem of, this, of the situation they have been in. Yeah, and, 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 and that's a problem. And, and you know, I, I always made the example, so I'm not sure if you are, you are aware of like SEM accounts and keywords and stuff, but, but basically like, um, like when, you, when you're looking at um, SEM account, yeah, so when you're looking at search engine marketing and you're looking at keywords, so th there was like a, a really smart guy once introducing it to me and saying, hey, I was really, I improved our expectation value on SEM campaigns because I finally switched off all campaigns that were performing negatively. And, you know, then, then he was doing that again and doing that again and doing that again. At the end, he had no campaigns at all anymore. Because every time, like, a campaign went negative, he switched it off. So, and that's the problem of volatility. Because if you have something which is volatile and you always cut it off in the moment where it's negative, you are left with nobody anymore. And what you do is you just fill it up. So, basically, you leave, let people go and you fill them, fill them up with people where you have even less information about and which are again very volatile, so you you never get to a point. So and 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 that's a problem, yeah. So and that's that. I don't have a solution. I think maybe we should be should think differently about performance at the end. We should really think differently about performance. It's it's more it's it's less of a people factor. It's maybe more of a situational factor. That's where I am right now. Yeah. Would I would I totally scrap any kind of performance measurement? Still, maybe not. I will not feel comfortable to do that. But maybe, maybe when I'm a year further, maybe I'm already would would, would go this direction. I'm definitely moving away from it. Yeah. Couldn't. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I think the the question is uh, what you really look at. And I will give you an example. My my dear wife, she's a person always adding if she's part of a team or a group. So she's always stimulating the process in between the individuals. So that is her strength. She might sometimes not be the biggest contributor if it comes to the to the content in, in that moment. But I can tell you on a very long-term experience that she's always contributing in her particular way. And the question is now, is somebody being a little bit more, let's say, in a way quiet um, and maybe also be a little bit reluctant, but having a certain positive impact on how people interact and also in conflict situations, calming down the situation and stuff like that. What is then the contribution and what is the, comp uh, the, the performance? Is that covered in KPI systems you, you work with? Probably not. 
and uh, she would also never be the person standing uh, standing up in the middle of the of the spotlight and i don't know presenting something or whatever it is but still she has an important uh, role in whatever type of teams and i met many people also at lichtig being similar in in terms of their setup they they were contributing on a to totally different level but extremely important on the other on the other side of course you have sometimes those uh, let's say experts or yeah i don't want to say performers because let's say people contributing on the content side uh, a, a lot but on the other side maybe having a blind spot on the on the team side and and, and therefore the composition of a group and the composition of of a team that's uh, that's very important and if you if you bring it then down to a very decentral approach like would you like to work with that team would you like with that person and then work on the attitude that you have people around also act, uh, accepting people being different and not immediately uh, declaring them toxic then i think you you reach a certain level where you really can speed up the process where you can you can also cope with complex situations and where you are move, fast moving uh, while your standard kpi system wouldn't probably not reflect that and would leave you then uh, a little bit what you said with the um, keyword marketing yeah and you always cut out the wrong ones and then you are left with the uh, let's say um artist performance guys um, only focused on this uh, content uh, level uh, while we as human beings we just we we don't want to be a simple part of a performance group we want to be part of a of a group we want to feel this as being part of it and so you need also people in an organization supporting that feeling and making people bound to the organization bound to the team and bound to the other humans in the organization I think what is super interesting from this approach, so hearing that is, I think one thing is that we are always looking on individual performance, yeah, and we have not mastered to measure team performance really well. So we don't we don't look too much into how a team works together, how a team is set together. Um, but we look, when we talk about performance management, always on individual um, performance. And I think one another insight maybe could also be from this discussion that it's not actually really the system that you apply, but how you deal with it. And, and I think that was a good question from you, um, Stefan, to say, how do you actually then deal with such a situation where you have to give critical feedback, right? And um, I think this was also an issue at Trivago, to be very honest. Yeah, we were in a super trusted environment. It was family-like. And it was super hard for leads actually to provide also constructive or negative feedback to also sometimes take the decision to let go people um, if, that, if that was necessary. And that, and that was super, super hard. And we also had to um, train people to give really also constructive feedback so people could develop because in the end, nobody really felt comfortable to say something negative, right? So... I don't I don't I don't want to hurt this trust bond. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to be the person saying something bad here. And I think what you can do is to train those people to do that. And how you do that and how do you do that still in a very constructive, trustful way? I think psychological safety, again, if we go back to the topic, is super important. If there are no 
immediate and unknown consequences to a feedback, then it's already kind of a space where you shouldn't be afraid of a feedback and where it's also nothing um, really um, bad for you as a person to receive um, the information that your performance could have been better um, at a certain topic. It's maybe then rather an opportunity to learn about yourself, to also share your view on the topic, to also say, okay, I actually I know why I'm not so good performing, not so good in this in the, on this topic because I want my talent is rather on X Y Z, and I think I could provide way way more value if I would work on whatever. And I think this is also something that we have tried at Chicago to foster this conversation. So it's not only uh, so this value creation conversation and also where are my strengths, where are my improvement areas, where will I do I really want to work on that? Is this something that would change my personality completely, or is this something I really want to change? So what I want to say is yes, you can have a system that indicates you something, but more importantly is to train the people to create a the environment where you can discuss those uh, indications, where you can give constructive feedback, where people can develop. So that is way more important and it has to be given to people. So you cannot just expect, because if we say we need to have always perfect or great leaders in those positions, they are also not hanging on the trees. <laughs> you have to develop them. You have to give them time to to learn all this, to deal with this complexity, to A, on the other hand side, provide an environment where everybody can explore and fail and be their best selves and be diverse and have conflict, but be trustful and uh, whatever, yeah. <laughs> and, and on the other hand side, also give this kind of say, okay, we are in a business and we have to achieve also goals. And 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 that's and that's always a, I think it's a challenge and it's a stretch and you have to invest into people to to deal with this struggle and this challenge. I, I would just like like because because of this kind of because what what, what shining through is a little bit also uh, you you have to build a basis where you can really like share super straightforward feedback. Yeah, uh, and I, I I would agree to that. The, the, the really a lesson that I learned, and it is a very recent lesson, because because I was always advocating, right? I mean, Anna, Anna knows that I was always advocating for giving the feedback as straight as possible. So being really, really clear about the feedback. Uh, so so really, like I was always a, a fan of like telling, not not basically telling people, oh, everybody, you are great. You know, but really like telling them, hey, you know, this is where you're good. This is where you're bad. So I was a big fan of curving, you know, what you would call in a, in a, in a, in a, in a university environment of curving. So really giving percentiles to people uh, on specific things. So, so, so I was really a big fan of that because I was always arguing that we should not lose the information in that, in that feedback, right? So we should not sugar-coated because we should not lose the information. Though, in the, in the, I think in the last two years, I was really sometimes making the proposal and people were not even taking it seriously because I was saying, hey, maybe it's better to tell everybody you're great. You know, maybe it's just more productive. And um, 
And people were always thinking, ah, you know, he's making a joke because that's not his position. But I was actually not sure, to be honest. I was not so sure if if it's not it's not it would not have been more productive to really like 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 tell people that they're amazing because for a long time basically for example we did not curve values and so uh, ratings ratings were always pretty good and and I've seen people in this environment and that that you know my own kind of like observation seen developing way faster than in an environment where where the values we started curving them and we started to basically like put people into brackets and so on. And, and although the information is better, you know, the information value of this is way better. I would say that, uh, that I, I'm not really, I'm not sure anymore if the output was, was higher. And I think that's very interesting because I'm definitely an advocate for, for information and definitely advocate for transparency and telling people, telling people the truth. So I think, we might not be able, so, 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 so I think that psychologically, probably we should, we, I think the best way that, where that we accept feedback is probably in the upper scale upwards. So from, from like, okay, average to you're amazing. I think there's probably a high acceptance rate. I think, I think, I think when, you, when you tell people you are in the bottom 10% of a group, with this characteristic or whatsoever, I think you're getting to a way where it becomes unproductive. And it's sad that it's a, that way because I would love people to improve faster by getting feedback and information unfiltered, but I'm not that sure anymore if it works. I would disagree. Are, there are a couple of questions coming in. <laughs> I would also, I would disagree to, to I would say that I benefited a lot also from the um, constructive feedback that I gained, although it was on a on a very safe, you know, safe environment. I think I the, so so I what I think is not helping is scoring people on something, because then people only will focus on the scores, and and in the end, if we look at how people scored each other, yeah, then it was between three and five on a one to five scale. So people also did not want to underscore people. So that's also a psychological effect from from performance management and scoring each other, especially if you are in a trust based environment, because people do not want to put this um, bad bad consequences on people. However, um, having the having there the information about things people really value about me, yeah, and what people think I could improve. I mean, even also the way how you put it, and and the, I, I would say that was super valuable. If to to also read that side instead of just reading everything that's that great. Yeah, I, I would agree to that. I think it's 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 not about it's not about um, that people tell you really where to improve. Um, I'm I, I'm just not so sure about the scoring anymore, right? So yeah. so so I um, I would I would agree to that. Maybe first, just one. Yeah, sorry. yeah, maybe before we come to the question, I, I would love to to raise a few few points. The one thing is the. You need a culture where, you know, having a straightforward feedback doesn't mean that you always have a negative wording in it, because you can also address issues 
where there's a certain lack to what we would wish for by having another wording. So uh, the, the question of how to address it is important, even though you can stick to the focus. What we did with our people, we said, well, uh, if, you, if you look at a situation, then you have to ask yourself, what do you observe? What do you think? What do you feel? And what would you wish? So, uh, and this has often something to do with language and uh, this psychological situation where you ring, you want to, to take a hammer from your neighbor and then you stand in front of the door and before, you know, he, you re-ask the question, you shout at him, keep your, your bloody hammer. Yeah. And, and this is something where you have to work also on communication. That's the, the one thing. The second thing, if you do it wrong, then you produce beliefs sentences. So in the head of people so that they always stick in this uh, to be in the same corner because yeah they were always told you are i don't know you are lazy or you are this and you are that and that keeps the, you, you you over time you hammer it in that's also very dangerous and therefore you have to be really careful what you mean with straightforward feedback and the last thing and most important to me is as i said i'm raising four kids together with my wife and obviously, uh, also, you have to provide feedback. And, and, and if your kids are a little bit older, then you, you receive also feedback. And then, of course, sometimes uh, you have to cope also with situations where you really, really, really don't like uh, what happened or what, what the, the way they act or whatever. But still, uh, I think if you, if you look at that, most of the people raise, or at least a substantial number of people raise kids or and in, for sure, there were kids at a certain moment in time. Then you can find an environment where you sometimes in that moment, when you have a discussion with your mom and dad to, I don't know, whatever it is, then it feels that you have to, you feel offended or whatever. But based on this trust and this love, what is in there, you can still take it somewhere and make something out of it, or you return to, uh, to, to the the next day or two hours later and and start the discussion from a different angle and i think if you see that most of the people are used to work in that environment as a human being not in an organization but uh, with a very challenging setup to grow uh, individuals to uh, free people you know exploring the world contributing to the world and you have, of course, to work with feedback because not everything runs smoothly over the whole period you, you are together in a family. I think you can adapt that type of situation to um, to, a, uh, to an organization as well. It's, it's difficult. It's quite a challenge. And it has to do with attitude. And uh, I can tell you, if you have four kids, then you know what diversity is because they, will, they are born and they bring everything with them you would you would always think if you don't have kids before that you that it's much easier to manage those but they come and they have their own personality and sometimes they are loud and i don't know what and then you think about other parents in the supermarket why don't they manage now the kids that it is quiet and uh, calm but you will, will make that experience so you have your challenges and still you can do the job uh, in a with a with a with a feedback based on trust being straightforward and producing a human being, hopefully, with exploring all their talent. Let me just say one one thing, which I think was remarkable. And we have to open I, for the questions. Yeah, would need to go to the questions. Okay, then we just what, just two sentences. <laughs> I think that what 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 you said was was really remarkable. I think the the 
the amount of trust that you build up is basically your 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 maneuver mass to give feedback and 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 evolve people you know and and i think i think so so this is if if you don't have trust there's probably no way at all to change somebody yeah so and 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 you need to i think they need to build up and i probably the same is true I, i don't have children but probably it's the same is true with the children yeah so you have this 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 building up of love and trust and so on and and because of that you are able to to have an impact yeah without love there's probably no impact thank you um uh, love respect safety um a counter position to that is pressure and i would like to invite anil uh to to pose this question now um anil if i'm i'm trying to bring you up here and it would be great if you repeat the question that you posted sure um, thank you okay we hear you now yeah. okay okay yeah my question is more like we define a company as being competitive let us suppose uh but we are facing difficulties to establish a balance between safe uh, safety and competition why not we decentralize that to the individual teams or the leaf level teams you know when uh, a particular manager would um uh, manage only four people and then those four people will not have any um uh, reports to that so that grain level teams and then define that uh, at that level what is safety and what is competition is how much safety should be there how much freedom should you give to the team and then how much competition should you actually uh, put put on them or expose them to so isn't that isn't that a good thing to decentralize the things and and with anil if i may uh, complement with what you wrote uh, with the underlying hypothesis that some people perform very well under pressure and not very right. well if there's too much safety and vice versa so did, did you have to make a more situational leadership approach and thus should decentralize that that is basically the question exactly exactly thank you yeah well um yeah of course as i said it's it's a challenge to find the balance in between uh the the, the two um parameters but on the other side there's a quite big organization in the netherlands uh in uh, in the carrying business and uh, they, they they are completely organized decentral and have local teams where they uh, work it's um uh, teams between 8 and 12 uh, persons and the headquarter despite the fact that they have something like 10000 employees in the company has only 80 people and all the rest is completely decentralized and uh, therefore the, the, they really manage this and as they are caring working with uh, older people and they have to care and they have also of course to visit each and everybody every day or every second day whatever the agenda tells them of course they cannot afford in this small team to having low performers and uh, they find then a way how to balance it but because uh, on the one side uh, there there is a very high degree of alignment in the in the purpose of the company and they grew in less than 15 years i think to that level um and on the other side uh, they need performance because uh, nobody wants to work for the colleague all the time uh, uh, one day or an hour maybe but not in in a longer perspective and um so of course you need also sometimes pressure in such a group but on the other side uh, and that's just, by the way the same is true for a family Uh, I can tell you sometimes I have also to to use some pressure to bring my kids working for school but um 
On the other side, uh, you need also freedom to explore really the potential and maybe also different way of com uh, contribution and a different way of um, serving the purpose. Yeah, I mean, the, the, so, so generally, I think I'm a big fan of decentralization and and empowerment. Um, so, so I would I would agree that I would I would like to give leaders as much freedom as possible with their team and how to lead their people. I think the the counter argument here is that I think what's important for you as a company is to find an identity and to define an identity and define values for yourself, because that's what's basically create like see. I think the times when you have teams that only work for themselves, these times are very, very limited. I think there are companies where it's maybe working a little bit better, you know, like in consulting companies. Or so you would, ha you would have like a team, I don't know, five people, 10 people, whatsoever. They do not have a lot of, like, they do, they do not have a lot, of, a lot of dependencies on other teams so much. Yeah. But when you, when you, when you're working in a, in a software company, um, it's rare that you have a team and it's really isolated. And in the moment where this team works together with other teams, I've, I've seen this happening. So, so I've seen, for example, a team built upon competition or pressure. And this team was performing extremely well on the, on the performance indicators that the leader of this team was giving out to the team. It was performing extremely well on these performance indicators. And sometimes we, we said, ah, we call this team because you know they can get shot, uh, shit done very quickly. And they did. But it was always dangerous. And, and we did use this team for quite a while to do the where, where, where we wanted to move shit around very quickly. Until we became aware of the collateral damage that this team was creating. Because in the beginning, it always looked like, oh, this team is amazing. It gets shit done. Wow, amazing. Cool. We, we put this like task force team on topics, right? And then after some years or so, we found out, okay, basically every single project that this team was, was picking up, uh, a year later or so, the, the thing completely collapsed. Because, because they were just, they go, were going in, destroying basically all connections, you know, solving the issue. And, and it looked amazing, but, 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 but everything around was destroyed. And this was really happening quite a lot. And um, of course, like, like if you're a consulting company, you don't care so much because, uh, you know, you're, you're going to your next customer. I mean, sorry, I'm, it's of course not that easy, but... But, you know, but, 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 but it's not, it's not so much into, you know, so, so important for you, but, but when you, but usually you, you, you are working in a super, super complex system and, and, and there it becomes really problematic. So that's my experience about, about having a difference in a team. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I can literally relate to the team that you mentioned. <laughs> I was part of that kind of a team previously. <laughs> Okay, um, thank you very much, Anil, uh, for, for your question. Uh, Jill, um, you had a question with relation to trust and how fast you could trust or should trust. 
Yes. Hey guys. So, um, yeah, my question was, does a trust need a probation period? And it comes from the context that I, I work in the startup scene in Berlin and I have a lot of friends um, who mention the same thing. So um, often or most of the startups, they claim, okay, you get ownership from day one. And that's also how they lure in their, their talents and everybody's really um, excited about this. But then uh, it turns out that, I mean, the hiring processes in startups are super fast and you never really know what you get yourself into. And then turns out the new hire doesn't really perform um, and can live up to the high expectations. And these people have so much trust in their talent and so much ownership from day one that they can fall really, really um, from very, very high. So my question was, is that... Um, an issue of trust and that trust is too early given or is that more that the system is broken that you shouldn't give out uh, ownership too early and that you have high expectation which is also all all the time in startups linked to the really strong uh, growth goals they always have so they need fast people they need people to fast onboard and fast pick pick up the speed um, I think I think it's a I think it's a cluster problem here. Um, so I think several things. Not sure where I should start. I mean, let me start with a, with a, with this general problem of trust. My 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 problem with it is what what's the what's the what would be the the opposite way of doing it? Opposite way, and and I've seen this a lot from people where they say, you have to earn my trust, and then I trust you. Earn my trust, you know, and then when you have earned your trust, you know, then then we can, you know, do something else, and we can go into another mode of working together. I don't know. I feel I feel this is another way of just distrusting people, uh, because trust is is something where for me it's something that you give from yourself, uh, and it's not. If if trust is bound to a condition at the beginning, I think I think it's difficult for me. So I, I I don't I cannot relate to that concept so much. So because because the problem is if you distrust, then it's really hard for trust to develop at all. So when you start with distrust, I think it's really really difficult. So I try to 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 when I get I also try to when uh, to uh, to always start with trusting people first, giving them a chance, giving them a chance to to, to fail to evolve. Because I, I just seen that this is way more productive. So in your case, so why is it still not working if, if, it, if it's not working this way? So you're saying people are giving giving trust, uh, and then uh, but then they 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 seem not to perform on whatever metric is given to them, uh, and then they fall very deep. I, I think that what I experienced is that that people have a huge misunderstanding when it comes to empowerment especially when it's about hiring new people i've seen even the most rigid organizations empower empower a lot when it comes to new hires and and i think what 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 a lot of a lot of them do a lot of leaders usually do is that they basically have they have a problem that they have not solved themselves and they have no idea how to solve it 
And, they, and then they look at their team and they see, nobody in my team can solve it. They, I don't trust the people in my team to solve it. I don't trust myself. So I hire somebody externally. Solve me that problem. And that is the most stupid way of hiring I, that I can imagine. Because you expect from somebody from outside to, to, to do something that you seemingly are not capable to do. And then I usually what you do, and it's happening, happened also in my organizations a lot, a lot. Usually what you do, you don't define really what's, what's really the, the task for the person to do because you, you, they are, they are, you know, they're hired in a way where you're not even sure about the problem. So you hired somebody, you're not even sure about the problem. So you don't define what this person has to do. And then you fire them because, of course, your expectation of the white knight coming to solve your problem and this person arriving, this person can never live up to the, to the standards that you, that, that you come up with because you not even yourself can live up to that standard. So, and, and, and I think that's not empowerment. For me, it's really when you hiring somebody is for me always leveraging yourself. So I would hire people. So I have solved the problem already, right? And then I can hire somebody who basically says, okay, who works in that field, right? So where I already said, okay, I'm, I, I understand it. And then I hire somebody and he's improving myself so I can focus on other stuff. And this person can do, can do whatever, you know, like I, I have framed already. But then the frame is important, defining expectation, aligning expectation with the person at the very beginning. But of course, you cannot do that if you have not even solved the problem or if you have not even thought about the problem. Then you cannot align expectations. And I think that's happening very often. I think that's a problem. It's not the trust. For me, the, the problem is that, the, that it's alignment of expectations. Jill, maybe one comment from, from my side. I think the, what, you, what you mentioned here as a setup uh, and uh, with regard to trust, the challenge is, or the, the issue of, from my perspective, is that it's, it's a one-way trust. So there's a trust from the company towards this person. But what you need to, do, to, to generate is a trust from this individual to the company. Because usually if you, if you talk to people, and that's my experience, they feel if they cannot really deliver on what they're expected. They feel that they can't do anything. And if they would trust the organization and trust the leader, they would address him. And then you could work on a solution. And then you could think about, is there any way of support? Is there any way of making this person contribute in another place of the organization, in another team or whatever? But if it's only that you, as Rolf just said, throw them the shit over the fence and let them do and cope with it, that is not going to work, and that has nothing to do with trust. That is just, you know, wishful thinking, but it not, has nothing to do with trust. And therefore, it has to be a two, two-sided trust. In, in, it's a relationship. It's Again, it's a relationship. And in a relationship, trust only works if it's two-sided. If it's one-sided, it will probably end in a disaster, in particular in an emotional disaster. I have also one comment to it. I think a bit the um, the pain of a startup nowadays maybe is also that on the one hand side, they have to perform and compete um, and grow yeah, on a very fast basis on, on in the same way how old businesses did it. But now the complexity comes in that more and more also employees and people who want to start in those environments, they want to find uh, the new work set up 
And it sometimes clashes, yeah, because on the one hand side, those startups are, A, they're, the, the founders are themselves super young and maybe also not, not so much aware of all it takes to be a good leader and to, and to establish this trust and this relationship, yeah. On the other hand side, maybe from the bottom of their heart, they want to provide this. And what they also do to compete in a, in a, in a very uh, radical talent war, however you want to put this, yeah, and they put out something that they maybe are not inside, right? So this whole employer brand of you can get everything here. You also get, it's a, it's a very cool environment with very cool people. We are all, we are like a big family and have ownership and empower, and we empower people. And with empowerment, we mean we let <laughs> because we have no time um, to, to take care of it. Um, so, so I think there come a lot of things come together and they actually, they, they really want to actually be good in providing this environment, but they somehow, they also feel not that they have the time and space to actually think about all it takes to provide this environment. And now you have somebody who's starting at this organization who thinks, amazing, I, I applied for one of these fancy new workplaces where they're all super reflective. They, they will invest into my development. I can grow within these organizations. And there are most likely very overwhelmed founders who have actually no idea and try to solve everything at the same time. And I think this is sometimes the problem that kind of the expectations that are coming together here, they are clashing a bit. And, and, and this is often where it goes, goes wrong, I feel. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That's really um, a very interesting takes on that. And I also think that um, too high expectations are oftentimes disguised as I give you trust and you deal with it. So, yeah. Thank you, guys. Based on the timing, um, we are already at uh, 7.30. If it would be okay, Wilfried and Rolf and Anna, we would allow one more question. If that's okay. Okay, then uh, let's move over to Johanna. Johanna Echtdorf, you posed a question as well. And that being the last question. Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, you stated um, earlier in the discussion that um, for leading in trust-based organization, it is uh, organizations, it is crucial to yeah, know your employees and also what motivates them and what drives them and, and um, align your values kind of. So I was wondering how you would overall generally deal with strongly introverted persons um, which um, may be hard to get to know at first, but that still might create value for your um, for your organization or are still aligned with your values. So they're not like the low performing 5% that you might um, think about, you know, um, kicking out in in the in the midterm, but just somebody who is very hard to yeah build up this strongly trusting relationship. Yeah, as I, as I said, uh, with the example of my wife, maybe uh, that would be uh, one thing. And we had also quite a number of people in the Lichtbeck organization who were a little bit more quiet than compared to others. And, and uh, then you had the ones, you know, shouting out. And interesting enough, uh, this is also something to do with sex. I don't want to uh, go more into the details, but in fact, you have to be careful and also appreciate the, that type of people. Uh, in in one of our um, um, let's say st structural changes, we had a, a, a transition team, so-called transition team, and and the people and the people in that team they were coming from all over the organization, 
and there were uh, also again quite a number of uh, female co-workers of mine and there were a few of them were those more silent uh, people and over the time they made a very strong development and uh, that was also again based on on the trust because that was not just that they had a high role in the hierarchy that was not the case not for that team but as they learned how to work also let's say with me as a ceo and before that they saw me just in my role they were not even really aware of the guy i am really behind this role and that they then realized that you can work together in a in a trustful environment that strengthened them and made them really move and some of some of them really went then forward and even uh, made a step towards, um, it's called facilitator. It's a, it's a certain type of, of coach helping people in the organization. So instead of being um, very calm at the side uh, of the room, they were standing in the middle of the room, you know, running the show. And that is an also development you can have. And, and, and therefore, I would always say you have to appreciate people for their individual talents and take them with you and show them also uh, the opportunities to contribute with their individual setup. And you will always find something. I'm really convinced you will always find them for, for people being, let's say, willing to contribute to the why of the all, whole organization. So if you have a common goal and you are shooting for a common why, and you want to achieve something, then the people will find their way of contribution, whether they are the, you know, uh, front runners or uh, whether they are more silent people and uh, you can integrate them. But you have to work and you have to be also uh, careful and um, train also the culture again that they have a certain way of also coping with that type of, of people. And, and, and then again, it's also a question of what type of language do you use in in communication? And this is also something very uh, important. I think it's important. First of all, it's important. Probably, I also misunderstood that for for a longer time. But I think it's first important to make people aware of this introverted versus extroverted. So, so I think when you evaluate people, I think it's important that uh, people understand the different personalities and and are aware of that. I think that introverted people often don't have a really interesting career path in front of them because I see that maybe I, I put them into a, into a bucket they don't belong to, but, 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 but for example, I've worked a lot with engineers who would be rather on the introverted side. And I think what's very dangerous, and I think that's very few organizations have understood that. I think it's very dangerous basically to tell those engineers the only way that you get more appreciation is by moving out of your engineering role and move into a lead role in which you have to communicate, in which you have to be emotionally way more aware of what's going on and so on. And, and I think that's what we, what we tell a lot of engineers. That the only way that you get, can get, get appreciation in this organization is, 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 by, is by moving into a leadership role, which is including team leadership. And that's not only true for engineers, it's basically true for every single uh, individual contributor who might be really happy in, the, in this individual contribution. So I think what's important is 
that we have to open up in our organizations. We have to open up career path where we where, where we focus on, on on this kind of value creation, where we have career paths for individual value creators, staying in the individual value creator position, but still having a, a, an opportunity, basically where you where you evolve, where you see something is happening with you, where you see that you're progressing. It's not always, and this this is very interesting because for those people, it's not status all the time. You know, it's it's, it's more like okay, how can I how can I more share my knowledge? How get 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 do I get appreciation for my expert role, for my role of of knowing stuff, of evolving, of 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 gathering knowledge, right? And um, and for example, at Trivago, we that's why we 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 split up our leadership roles in three, and we try to have them on the equal levels, three leadership roles, which is a personal leadership role of evolving people, it's a it's a project leadership role of evolving topics. And it's a role of evolving knowledge. And we had basically these knowledge leads who were extreme experts in their role, but uh, but were not not having any kind of leadership of people because they just simply didn't want it. Yeah. And and I think that the, the dramatic thing is if you don't offer that, these people will always tell you that what they really want is becoming a leader of people, becoming a team lead, and so on. Although they're not, and they will be extremely good in telling you that they are and then you put them into that position and then and then and then they are unhappy and often the or sometimes the team is unhappy as well yeah so i think i think it's really important to for individual contributors that is not of course it's not always interest there's also amazing um, team leaders who are introverts i don't say that yeah but often you also don't don't offer a role for 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 for, for people who are really want to focus on their on their individual contribution maybe maybe one final sentence from my side and and for me also the question is why do you and now it's important perceive somebody as introverted because sometimes people are not really introverted most of the most of the people have always a setup where they are not that introverted. That might be in their sports club, that might be on a party, that might be somewhere where they completely change their behavior. And the question is, why do they act as they act in a certain environment? And sometimes it's also then important to develop a feeling for that as a leader and, and, and maybe then also change the environment. And then you sometimes are really surprised what the output can be. So it's not that being introverted or a little bit more calm is something what is right for an individual in, in every aspect of 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 its life of, of the life so one has to be really careful and then if you if you do it properly if you motivate the right them in in the right way and you 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 open also yourself for this uh, person then you can at least i experienced a very high number of super surprising uh, developments uh, from those people. So therefore, it's really you have to be careful in 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 coping with that kind of people and not, you know, taking uh, immediately the the typical way of sorting them in a box, but seeing them as a potential, and then you can change and maybe change the, the framework, change the environment, and then it. It develops, but this has to be again. This is something where you need to have a 
really dedication to evolve the people and develop people and give them the opportunity to contribute. And once you do that, you will see amazing things. Yeah. And, and also stop stop with the idea that, that introverted is good and uh, extroverted is good and introverted is bad. So that you have to evolve everybody to being extroverted. I think that's also not not the case, but yeah. I think that's but I totally agree with what Rifid said. Kind of, we sometimes have a biased system towards that because we also hear the, the loudest and more, more vocal people. We hear them and so we see them. So we think they perform and because we don't hear the calm people, we think they do not perform maybe. Um, you also mentioned a question on how do you make them fit to your culture or not culture. And I think it's a very interesting question because it's kind of also what you display to the outside, what your culture is. Is it always only vivid party, um, lots of people talking with each other? So do you really provide an inclusive environment where both extroverted and introverted feel comfortable? I think this is also something that you can, for example, as a leader do, create the environment where both people can show off their potentials. Okay, thank you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Die Würfelt, die Rolf, die Anna, uh, we're coming to an end today. We had a very interesting uh, topic, um, which we were able to look at uh, from so many different perspectives. Um, I would have loved to dig deeper, uh, uh, bringing more questions in. Wilfried, uh, asking you about your Eismann experience, because they also have a very specific leadership style. But maybe we will have an opportunity um, to follow on with that discussion later on. Um, that said, I, I hand over the final words to Anna, our co-moderator here today. Yeah, thank you everybody actually for uh, coming, for joining, for listening in, for uh, asking questions. Uh, thank you, Wilfried, for openly sharing um, your experiences, your advices, um, uh, your everything that you have learned along your path. Thank you very much. And also thank you, Rolf for uh, taking the time and sharing um, and I'm looking forward to the next session which will be um, in May so end of May quite some time in between now um, but thank you very much it was really really interesting and really nice to talk to you thank you